Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to another Arse Blog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. What a show we have for you and what a weekend it is. The first North London derby of the season. At a time when Ireland is receiving a bailout, we need to give Spurs a bailout or we need to give Spurs' bail out of the stadium. Uh, yeah, that didn't, that didn't work at all. Where's James Richardson when you need him? Though he probably puts a slight bit of thought and preparation into his little jokes at the start, which uh, probably makes all the difference, you know. Anyway, between now and the end of the show, we'll be talking a lot about Arsenal versus Spurs. Well, a good bit. It's not solely dedicated to that, but we'll be talking about Arsenal versus Spurs. Arshavin is here. Philippe Auclair will be here to talk a bit about the French connection, the three new French connected arrivals, because I know Shavak is in French, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, he'll be here to talk about that and the Spurs game. Uh, we'll have the winner of the GCR Books competition, as well as giving you the chance uh, to win a fabulous Savile Rogue scarf. It wouldn't be a winter arse cast without a Savile Rogue scarf, so that's all coming up between now and the end of the show. So, between the last arse cast and this arse cast, we've had a quiet enough week. We've had an interlull amazingly, and I'm touching wood because we haven't got all the injury news yet because some of the players are still due to come back, but it seems all of our players went away in the middle of the week to play for their countries, and there was no sprains, breaks, tweaks, niggles, strains, ouchies, Uh, there's nobody dead, there's nobody who was dead and then brought back to life and is actually a zombie version of the player that we had before. There's no snap this, no torn that. I mean, I don't quite know what's going on. I'm not complaining, mine, but there you go. That's what's happening. Um, they've all gone away. Not all of them play. Gail Clichy sat on the bench, and I watched England versus France, and pff, what can you do? What can you expect, though? At least I just watched it on the television. 85,000 people paid money to go and see that in Wembley Stadium. Did none of those people watch the World Cup? What's wrong with them? England were awful, and France were even more awful than England in the World Cup. Yet, a few months later, 85,000 people go, well, you know, that's not bad. I think I'll go and pay money to go and see England versus France. Not like Hollywood, is it? Make one bad film and people go, well, I'm not going to see your next fucking film. Fuck you. But you can play an entire tournament like a cunt, and they'll still pay to see you. But anyway, that's by the by. Uh, That was the internationals and, you know, ill-timed as they were. We seem to have come through well enough. So maybe our luck is changing a little bit. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm going to touch wood and 
Touch my glass, which contains bourbon and <clears throat> martini and maraschino cherry and some Angostura bitters, and it's uh, very delicious. But maybe, just maybe, things are going our way a little bit in, in terms of the injuries. And before that, we had a great win on Sunday against Everton. Away from home, another tough game, and scored two goals, went 2-0 up. Through Bakary Sanya, of all people, doesn't get too many. Only his second ever goal for Arsenal, and quite the finish it was too at the near post. And Cesc Fabregas with a goal, showing that he's beginning to come back to his best. And a real threat up front, and when Cesc scores, we win. I saw a stat today on, on Twitter, up to Joe, I think it was, uh, saying that he scored in 31 league games for Arsenal, and we haven't lost any of the games that he scored in. Let me just look that up, yeah. Cesc Fabregas has never been on the losing side in the Premier League in the 31 games that he has scored in. All we need to do then to win the title is ensure that Cesc scores in every game. Now, it sounds simplistic, doesn't it? And uh, as far as I can see, it is. We just need to make sure he scores in every game. There's no magic to it. Just, Sask, you go and score and we'll win the league. I know it's putting a lot of pressure on him, perhaps, but there you go. You don't win leagues the easy way. Lukas Fabianski made some good saves in the final 10 minutes, and they score through Tim Cahill, and I really don't like Tim Cahill, and I know a lot of people go, you know, he's the kind of player I'd like to see, and he's one of my favorite players outside of Arsenal, and, and this to me is the thing, I don't, don't understand favorite players outside of Arsenal. Now, I know Robert Perez has just signed for Aston Villa, and Robert, as we all know, is super dreamy, uh, but in general... We're talking about players who play for other teams and, and having favorite players on other teams and second teams and all that does not make any sense to me. Tim Cahill, to me, I just, he's got one of those faces. I'm sorry. I just can't bear it. And he scored, and I thought there was actually a foul. I think it was Saha climbing all over the back of Alex Song. And I think, to be fair, Fabianski deserved his clean sheet. But anyway, we hung on, and that's two very, very good away wins uh, within the space of a couple of days, Wolves and Everton, we've had to scrap and get the uh, get the points. And considering what happened with Chelsea just a couple of hours after we beat Everton, it was a fantastic weekend. Chelsea taken apart by Sunderland. I know people say, oh, Sunderland, you know, but they're not bad. Let's face it, they drew with us. And, well, you know, we've got to be the standard. Chelsea were terrible and it's about time they were terrible. But what was really interesting, and it's something we'll touch on a bit later on, is that at halftime, when Chelsea were 1-0 down, and having conceded a goal at home for the first time this season, their fans booed them off the park. Like, booed them off. Having conceded one goal at home all season. Understand that people get frustrated with bad performances and teams set their own standards, but come on. It's not right. Even if it is Chelsea, I mean, I would boo them off even if they were winning. I would launch hand grenades and flamethrowers and anthrax envelopes onto the pitch. But that's me. But I'm not a Chelsea fan. Maybe there should be just a little bit more understanding. I'm not saying it's not hilarious to me, because it is. I'm just saying it's just interesting. And we'll come back to it a little bit later on in, in the wake of, uh, or not in the wake of, but in light of what's coming up this weekend. Uh, so uh, the gap is closed at the top of the table to two points. And after last weekend's defeat to Newcastle and people were thinking oh no it's all going horribly wrong again it sort of started going what's the opposite of horribly wrong brilliantly right 
Beautifully right? Perhaps it was beautifully right. It was a beautifully right weekend uh, last weekend. To talk a little bit more about uh, what's happened between the last Stars cast and this one, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. Everything away, tough on this, not feeling too confident. Sanya, get in there, you Floella Benjamin-looking legend. Sesk, deadly goal. Fabianski, Fabianski again, and again. Ah, fuck off, Cahill, you hair lip cunt. International friendlies, hope we don't get any injuries. Interlull, 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 interlull. Spurs are cunts! More from Internet Joe on next week's Arsecast. Still to come, we'll have some early team news and a look ahead to the Spurs game tomorrow. Uh, Arsham will be along. I'll give you the answer to and the winners of the GCR Books competition, as well as a chance to win yourself a Savile Rogue scarf. But now, to talk about the players that Arsenal signed this summer, the three with a French connection, uh, as well as looking ahead to the Spurs game a little bit as well, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arsecast, Philippe Auclair from France Football. Hello, Philippe. Hello, Andrew. I want to talk to you first about the uh, the three players with French connection uh, that have come into Arsenal uh, this season. Um, Skilachi, Shamak and Koscielny. Um Shamak we spoke about last year on the Arscast and there was a, an awful yep. lot of talk about him coming in uh, maybe in January and, and that didn't happen. Um, he's made the step up from uh, the French League. Have you been surprised at how quickly he's adapted and how well he's done? Because in France, he wasn't necessarily renowned for the amount of goals that he scored, but his his tally so far is more than respectable. Well, he, no, he was not the same kind of player at all, actually, when he was, well, at all. He was not the same kind of player when he was with, with, uh, with Bordeaux. Um, you're quite right in saying he was not one of those free-scoring centre-forwards, uh, you know, 25, 30 goals a season, something like that, you know, competitions. In, in fact, I believe that his best season, uh, which was 2008-2009, if I'm not mistaken, um, he, he scored barely more than 15 goals So uh, in all competitions. So he was by no means um, that, that kind of player. Um, he had other values for Bordeaux. He was always the, the focal point um, in a 4-2-3-1 formation where he was basically holding the ball, uh, mostly staying in the box, sometimes coming out of it, and you know, he, he, we could all see his qualities uh, as as a guy who could uh, retain the ball up front, who had an absolutely fantastic jump, um, and was also somebody who had the right attitude when it came to uh, the approach of a game um, in terms of tracking back, uh, helping his defenders, being the first defender from the pitch, and so forth, and also had a great attitude in the in the dressing room. So. That, that hasn't come as a surprise. The fact that he scored so much, so many goals, so quickly, especially um, if you compare um, his performance with that, for example, of, uh, of Thierry Henry when he arrived from Juve, mm. or even from, from, from Dennis when he arrived from Inter, really took quite a while to, to find their feet in, in, in the league. And in the case of Thierry, how many games was that? Seven or eight before he scored at Southampton? Yeah, I think. Uh, and uh, Dennis was the same. I mean, six or, six or seven. I don't have the figures at my fingertips. But it did take them, take them a while. Um, so he's done, I think, much, much better than could be expected. Uh, he's not quite there yet. I mean, he has moments when... He can drift out of the game when, um, for example, against Newcastle, I think he was not probably at his best. But uh, what we've seen so far is, is quite remarkable. Uh, uh, the kind of service he's getting at Arsenal is, of course, superior to what he was getting at Bordeaux. Exactly. His role has evolved as well. Um, 
I, I, I was actually recently doing um, a tactical analysis with, with our friends from Opta about where he was getting the ball, um, who he was passing it to, and and I compared the um, uh, his placement and uh, his touches to that of Andre Arshavin. And when you were putting the two uh, together and you saw the diagrams, to be honest, you could have mistaken one for the other because it, it does actually work so hard outside of the box, particularly on the left-hand side, um, that you could think of him almost as a winger who happens to be in the box from time to time, which is quite remarkable. Not at mm. all like the Chamac we, do, we, 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 we knew from France. So he certainly... Um, has widened, I would say, his role on the pitch, but from qualities which he already possessed at, at Bordeaux. So I'm, I'm very, very pleasantly surprised. I thought he would do well in England anyway because of his attitude as much as anything. Hmm. But that he's done so quickly is a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, the, the, the physical side of that, though, when you talk about it, we know he's played a lot more than perhaps he would have because of the injuries to Van Persie and Ben yes. only just coming back into the squad. So from a physical point of view, it'll be important to to bring the others back into the team to help him maintain that kind of uh, work rate. In, in which case you're wondering which shape is the team going to take because mm. if you bring back Van Persie in, I mean he played 45 minutes if I'm not mistaken against uh, uh, for the Netherlands yesterday night. Um, what? How do you accommodate Van Persie and Schamack in the same team? Mm. Um, you know, in the case of a centre forward like Bentner. You can imagine that Bentner goes to the right wing, where actually I think he did some of his, he had some of his best Arsenal games on, in this position. Um, Shamak is not at all the same kind of player. Technically, it's very different. I think Bentner actually has got a better first touch than, than Shamak. I know it will surprise a few people when I say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I can hear you laughing. Um, <laughs> but he does have a very, very, very good touch indeed, Bentner, um, for a big guy. Um, and um, Shamak, you can't see, you know, if you think, okay, if you put Ashavin on the left and you put Nasri on the right or you put uh, Walcott on the right and you've got Van Persie uh, as a centre forward, which he was, and around whom the whole team seemed to be based last year before he got injured. Uh, where do you see Shamak? Is he a luxury substitute? I don't think so. He's achieved already too much for, for Wenger to, to put him there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. Would you put, for example, Van Persimor in a nine and a half position, more a la Burkamp, as it were, uh, with Shamak up front, Arshavin on, on the left, and Nazri on the right? Uh, it's not that obvious at all, um, but, but in all honesty, it's, it's a problem that a number of um, Arsenal's rivals for the title could do with at the moment. Mm. Uh, it looks to me as if it's the best collection of forwards the club has had in a very, very long time. Mm, it's a good problem for, for Arsene to try and solve, so we'll leave that to him uh, while we can speculate. Let's talk about Skilachi because um, he's a French international, hasn't really played a, a great deal recently for the for the international team, no. but uh, hugely experienced as well, and has experienced life outside France as well uh, with his time at Sevilla. Uh, did well there and won European competitions there. Um, he's added a, an experience to the to the centre halves that was certainly needed anyway. When you look at Sylvester leaving, Gallas leaving, uh, Saul Campbell leaving, and, and yeah. from a football point of view, you can understand those departures. But uh, the experience that they had is, is also very important especially for younger players that are coming through um, he's got on with things and just done his job fairly quietly and impressively well he's, he's, a, he's a quiet type anyway um, he's not He's not somebody, if you talk to him you know, in the mixed zone after a Champions League game, he's not somebody who's going to be uh, 
exactly the most um, forthright <laughs> of interviewees. He, he tends to keep things to, to close to his chest. He's very discreet. Uh, but paradoxically, one of the things that uh, Wenger told me uh, about Schilacci is that one of the reasons that he's made um, that he's you know he's he's made such an impact because he has made an impact is he's actually a talker on the pitch, uh, and I know that many Arsenal fans have had this problem with with defenders recently. Um, certainly, ever since it seems um, Tony Adams left the team, is that there were not enough bosses in that uh, back four mm. people who you know who could point point out where a defender should be placed, where a midfielder should uh, should be placed as well, and uh, communicate basically with with the rest of the back four. And strangely enough, Skelechi was very very quiet off the pitch. Uh, is by all accounts a model professional. Um, certainly, the reputation he had both in France and also uh, at Sevilla uh, is somebody who is very, very active, uh, both in the dressing room and on the pitch. And it's um, something that Wenger, you know, uh, felt it was necessary to to put forward. And the first thing actually he said about Skidachi when I asked him, I mean, a question actually about the way that Skidachi and Juru were playing together, I was quite surprised how well they were playing together mm. for people who had, you know, never been on the, on the same pitch before. He said, well, the, the important thing, factor, one of the important factors is the fact that uh, Skidachi is somebody who is very vocal on the pitch and is constantly looking at the way the defense is organized. Um, obviously, he's very level-headed. Uh, technically, he's a very sound player. I think he's, you know, actually playing the ball out of defense has been superb this season, uh, which is maybe one aspect of his game that hasn't been commented on very much. Also, um, you know, when you think the kind of strikers he had to deal with when he was in either in Liga or La Liga, and suddenly he finds himself against people like, you know, Kevin Davis, Johan Amanda, or, or Andy Carroll, um, well, he hasn't done too badly in that respect when it's a completely mm. new experience for him in many ways. Mm. So um, I think a terrific, actually, acquisition uh, for very, very little money, uh, even though um, you wouldn't have expected maybe that you would play so many games um, so early in the season. Mm. If it hadn't been for the injury to Thomas Van Mellon, it's very doubtful that either Koscielny or Oski that you would have played as many games as that. Mm. Well, th- um, this was the, the point I was going to make about Koscielny, because um, when we talk about uh, his introduction to English football, I think if Vermaelen had been fit, he certainly wouldn't have played yeah. uh, as much as he has. He's been thrown in at the deep end, and for the most part, has done. I think he's done all right. You know, he's got caught a couple of times. Um, but for him, more than Shamak or Skilachi, the the step up uh, is, is considerable because. Uh, two seasons ago, he was playing in the French second division. Had yeah, only got cool, one, yeah. yeah, had only one season in in the top flight in France, and then is being asked to step up again because you know there is a a, a big difference in quality and playing Champions League football. Uh, how have you viewed uh, the way he's adapted? Um, and his potential as well, I suppose. Well, I'm 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 in two minds about Cassiani, If I'm absolutely honest uh, about him, I, I think he's done probably better than I was expecting. Uh, in, in some ways, uh, but I, I also think that he's very far from the finished article, as they say here. Um, this lapses in concentration uh, are a big problem. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's the Eunice Kabul of, uh, of Arsenal because that would really wouldn't go down too well, would it? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. And actually, Kabul has got physically is much stronger, but uh, has got far more lapses of concentration that Lokasemi mm. has. Um, but I'm not absolutely sure that he's you know he's done as well as I've read in in some places where people were already talking about him as uh, a French international and as somebody who would keep his place if uh, Milan uh, was fit and he would play alongside Scilacci and mm. so forth. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not convinced about that yet. Uh, I think that he's adapted very well, very quickly, uh, but we haven't seen him yet actually provide the kind of performance, you know, commanding performance, that um, this type of player should give. Because you've got different types of central defenders. You would have somebody like uh, Skilacci, who is very quiet, uh, very unassuming, and I think Juru is in the same position, actually, who do their jobs very efficiently, but not very spectacularly. Because mm. uh, the one thing he's got for him is absolutely phenomenal when it comes to tackling. Uh, his statistics in both uh, Ligue 2 and Ligue 1 in France are, 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 are actually unbelievable. If I... If I am to believe them, uh, apparently he didn't miss a single tackle in, in two seasons, which is absolutely astounding. Mm. Um, this being said, uh, a central defender, a great central defender, is not somebody who tackles a lot. Actually, it's the very opposite of that. Uh, a, a great central defender is somebody who doesn't need to tackle. And the fact that he's drawn to this kind of situation is really crowd pleasing and you know, you'd love to see a player win a tackle and he does do that on a regular basis. Well, very often it's because he's put himself in a position where he has to give it to make a tackle. Yeah. And at the highest level, that's not what you should be looking for from a top defender. I'm sure if you looked at uh, Lucio, for example, or, or Ricardo Cavallo, um, and if you looked at uh, the figures for a whole season, I'd be surprised if they did more than seven or eight tackles a season. And I know it sounds very, very low. A season? But a season. William Gallas, um, who is William Gallas, so make of that what you want. Um, but in his, you know, uh, at his absolute best, was doing seven, eight tackles a season. That's it. A season over a whole championship season. Um, you know, when I talk about tackle, I talk about the proper good old style, you know, English sliding tackle. Mm. A great defender doesn't need to do that. Um, and people in England will talk about Bobby Moore. Uh, in France, we'll talk about Laurent Blanc, who never tackled anyone. Never. And he didn't need to, mm. because he was in the right position. He was winning the ball in the air. He was there. He was intercepting. He was just fighting in 50-50s and getting the ball, but staying on his feet. Cassiani is a player who is of a different kind. He's more dynamic. And, and he, he does have sometimes um, lapses of con concentration. I, I hope I'm not sounding too negative about him, because I think, on the other hand, he's done remarkably well, considering where he comes from, that two years ago, as you said, he was playing for Tour in Ligue 2, where he was voted, by the way, the best player in the whole league uh, in any position. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I have yet to be convinced by him. That's fair enough. I mean, I think we can talk about the, the period of uh, adaptation uh, that he's got to go through. So, uh, I, And when you look at it, he's probably signed as third choice. Uh, center half well, when yeah. you're looking for Allen and Scalacci going to come through so anyway we'll give him time um, yes indeed and don't forget Giroud in that because I've been yeah. quietly impressed by the quietly impressive uh, Johan Giroud yes who did I think uh, extremely well uh, at Everton um, in particular uh, where you know coming back from a series of injuries as he had um, you know, was confronted with some players who are very, very difficult to deal with. Mm. Whatever people say about Everton not being on their game on, in, on that particular day, um, I, th- I thought he dealt with it extremely well. And, and I also like the way he plays the ball out of defence very, very much. He's, he's, a, he's a midfielder to start with, which Cassini is not. Um, and I, my, my judgment is reserved. I, I'd like to see more of Koscielny over a longer period of time. It's far too early to say after 13 games, of which he's played, what, um, eight, nine, something mm. like that, which is quite remarkable already. Yeah. Um, but let, let's wait and see. All right. Well, th- these three players are going to experience the North London derby for the first time mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. Will they, um, will they need some reminding or some... Uh, education about the importance of this fixture or is there an awareness among professional footballers that this is a derby game we know that this is one of the fixtures of the season and we're going to have to go out uh, you know and give everything or and a bit more um you know are they aware of the importance of this fixture to the fans and obviously from from a a, a league point of view this is a game that uh, that has yeah. crucial points particularly as the uh, the gap has been closed on Chelsea last weekend well, I think that the fact that a number of these Arsenal players have been in the squad, even though they're very young for, for quite a long time now, if you think of players like Clichy and Song and uh, Danielson and, of course, the, the captain himself, uh, I think that the importance of the derby will, will be drummed into them. Um, I, I'm not sure that Wenger himself will do it. I think he will more uh, insist on uh, you know, the way that Arsenal should play in the particular derby. But as, as to the importance to the fans and, and to the players and for the season, um, I'm sure they will be reminded by their, by their teammates more than anything. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think that they have any experience. Uh, I'm trying to think, because Shanak being at Bordeaux, Bordeaux doesn't really have a big derby, doesn't. Mm. Sevilla Betis? Uh, Sorry? Sevilla and Betis for... Uh... Sevilla and Betis, but Betis is the a shadow of the, of, of, of the shadow of the team uh, we once loved, and... Mm. Um, it wasn't the same thing anyway. Um, no, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, as to Kostiany, um, uh, he has absolutely no experience whatsoever of these kind of occasions. Mm. None. So uh, I would say that the, the three um, don't really know what's going to fall on their heads uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, Saturday morning. Uh, but I'm also sure that you know the fact it's it's a very experienced team. It's it's, it's this paradoxical national thing that you you have a team that is both 
very young and very experienced, uh, which is obviously one of the major assets this season when uh, you've got on one hand uh, teams which are either too young or too inexperienced and uh, and Arsenal seem to have um, those qualities. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure I said that the proper way, but you get my drift. I, I know what you mean. Um, and <laughs> just to finish off, I mean, how do you view the form of the team going into this game? Because they've had two fantastic away wins um, yep. under quite di- uh, difficult circumstances, different kinds of games, and they've had to show, uh, in particular uh, in these last two games, sort of non-Arsenal qualities in terms of defending and hanging on and battling and, and facing up to uh, the physical aspect of the game. We've seen the goalkeeper uh, prove a key man in both of those games, and, and yep. that's something that none of us ha- had really thought about before. But the home form uh, in particular is a bit of a worry because we've watched Arsenal getting beaten by West Brom, we've watched them getting beaten by Newcastle. Um, yep. And, and uh, by the way, in ab- absolutely fair results, both of them. They were yeah. not, you know, hold ups or anything like that. Yeah, so I mean, is that a little bit of a worry? I mean, in general, do you sense there's maybe a little bit more about this team than there has been in the previous seasons, or, mm-hmm. you know, has that yet? to be proven um, I think away from home yes there is definitely a bit more than that uh, you could think of a number of occasions that would put the game in, at Blackburn as well in, in those um, uh, there's definitely more I think in terms of, of the old because when you say that you know we, we, we are only thinking a few years back I mean the Invincibles were absolutely magnificent away from home and they showed these qualities time and again it's been more of a problem since you know um, Plan Wenger uh, got into a uh, um, it, 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 you know, started for good when the decision was taken to go to the Emirates and, yeah. and the squad was was renewed and rejuvenated, so, so to speak. Um, but they, they they are Arsenal qualities, though. Um, I seem to remember um, certain title being won at Anfield, um, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. They were Arsenal qualities. Maybe we, you know, Arsenal. I said we uh, rediscovered uh, are rediscovering those qualities. Yeah. Uh, the home form is a worry to me because uh, both against West Brom and Newcastle, uh, honestly, the, the performance was not under par. I, I don't know what par was on that particular day. It was uh, it was somewhere else. Um, I'm 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 always concerned before those kind of derbies, despite the results. If I'm not mistaken, in the last 14 games at home since Arsenal has been in charge, Arsenal have won 10 and drawn four, so I've never lost. So there's a bit of a pressure here mm. applied. You know, it's always a game that you never, I, I never see it coming with uh, trepidation and, and excitement. Uh, there's a little mixture of fear and apprehension there, <laughs> thinking this could be the wrong day. And the memories of the old 4 all uh, at uh, the Emirates uh, still lingers. Mm. Uh, I do think they're better equipped, yes. And you also have to say that it is a really weakened uh, um, Tottenham team which is going to, to be at the Emirates on Saturday really weakened. If you compare um, the state of the squads um, as they are at the moment, they've got what? The foe is missing. Um, Huddleston has been a big player for them this season. is missing. Their central defense is very, very dubious, uh, to say the least. Um, the full-backs can be great on, on a good day. can be absolutely awful when they have an off day. You can go that, like that through the whole team. They've got, what, six players missing, eight players missing, ten players, I think, missing from the first-team squad. Mm. So you would normally, on paper, say, well, it shouldn't be too difficult. But, but, but... Um, the, the values that you have talked about, which Arsenal has shown uh, away from home, they've yet to show them at home, where for some strange reason they haven't been able to 
um, impose a very, very fast tempo uh, in terms of passing uh, from the start of the games, um, from, from the first whistle. Uh, and that's been, I mean, can you think, I mean, I'm asking the question here, can you think of a single performance at home that was totally convincing for you? Mm, no, but I mean, there were a couple against Except 10 in men, Champions weren't there? League, which of course is very different. You know, against one against Shakhtar and Blackpool, yeah. but again, you're looking at playing Blackpool with 10 men. So no, I, I agree with you in the sense that they haven't seemed to uh, shown the, the, the steel or there's, there, there seems to be more character on yes. the road than there is at home. No, I mean, especially the, for me, the, the, the best game was at Manchester City, which was actually a magnificent game uh, in many ways. And in, in a game in which the team found its feet in terms of almost collective thinking when they, they, start, they showed the material side we hadn't seen before that, where they were able to manage a situation uh, against uh, what was a very, very strong and really fired up Manchester City team, and they did it absolutely superbly. Now, will we see that? I don't know. My other concern, um, and stop if I'm dribbling, is the fact that you've got two very, very different style of coach, styles of coaching here. I mean, Redknapp is not a training ground manager, we all know that. But what he's very good at is that, is that shaping a team according to uh, the opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Um, we had an example of that at White Hart Lane uh, last spring when uh, what was supposedly an inferior Tottenham team uh, fighting for a place in the Champions League as opposed to Arsenal fighting for the title, gave an absolute tactical lesson, masterclass, to, to Arsenal. Um, and Redknapp, in, in that case, totally outwitted Arsene Wenger, um, which is one thing that, um, you know, uh, it might surprise you for me to say that. I thought Redknapp actually got it absolutely right. And my worry is that Arsenal will maybe not necessarily think of the... Um, the great strength that Tottenham still has this season, and uh, I, I have to say it's a, it's a derby that I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to in a way, but I'm a little bit wary of. Uh, I don't want to strike too negative a note. Yeah. Uh, I think that if the team plays to its potential, there's absolutely no doubt that, uh, about the winner. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. Um, I'm I'm just hoping that um, tactically um, and in terms of. Um, the way we prepare ourselves mentally uh, for that game will be where we need to be for that particular fixture because believe me, they will. All right. Okay, Philippe, um, I can't say I disagree with you there at all. Uh, We better leave it there, though. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you very much indeed. My thanks to Philippe Auclair from France Football. As always, some interesting and um, in-depth stuff from him. I will catch up with him again as the season progresses. Before we move on with the show, here's Arshavin. Hello. I am Arshavin, and uh, this week have uh, not good week at all. First have to uh, travel to home to play uh, international against uh, what is name of a country where I come from, Vermaelen, Belgium, this, Belgium. But uh, don't like uh, to fly. Not because uh, don't have leg room, <laughs> but the uh, terrible film they show on plane um, is about a little boy who have a ginger sidekick and uh, think he is greatest thing and ginger sidekick and is all magic and uh, was called Days of Thunder and then playing game 
lose game, have to play 90 minutes. I speak to Hiddink after and say, I am Arshevin, I am not a machine, 90 minutes, what, uh, you crazy? Hiddink just turn and uh, look at me in that way. One day, I will take his eyes. Then on my home, have to sit beside uh, Pavlichenko, and he is talking about the game on Saturday um, against the, um, how do you call, place where um, all are cunts. Tottenham is game against Tottenham, and Tottenham do this, and Tottenham do that, and Tottenham do this again. Uh, it's so boring, Pavlichenko, so boring. But uh, I hope his uh, child enjoy polonium teddy bear that I give. <laughs> I hope they all enjoy. We'll have more from Arshavin on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, competition last week was brought to you in association with gcrbooks.co.uk. Uh, they gave us uh, some books to give away to you guys. I asked you what color was the background on the website. Uh, is it black and white or was it in color? And the answer was, of course, that it was in black and white. Uh, GCR Books have been republishing certain Arsenal books. Herbert Chapman on football. There's also the Arsenal Stadium Mystery, Forward Arsenal. Uh, Eddie Hapgood, Cliff Baston remembers. And uh, a brand new book for the kids, uh, Billy Gooner's First Match. Now, the random number generator has done its thing. And the winners are as follows. Peter Carberry, well done to you. Also, Colin Bosworth which sounds like a made-up name to me, to be honest. Uh, but I'll let it pass this time. And also, Daryl, well well done to you guys. I'll be in touch just to double-check your choice of book. I will get the book sent out to you uh, as soon as we possibly can. If you're looking for Christmas presents, if you know an Arsenal fan who loves reading or loves Arsenal and, and wants to uh, find out a bit more about the past, or you've got a young Arsenal fan who wants to get involved in reading, you want to encourage them a bit, Billy Gunner's first match will probably be uh, just the thing. Check out gcrbooks.co.uk, use Arsblog at checkout, and you get yourself a 10% discount on that. Now, that's not the end of the competitions, though, because it's winter. And winter, as we all know, is terrible and cold and minging and horrible. And to make your winter better... I've got a Savile Rogue scarf. And if you don't know what a Savile Rogue scarf is, you haven't been listening to the Arsecast for long because since almost the day the Arsecast started, they've been giving us prizes and they're brilliant prizes too. 100% cashmere red and white Arsenal scarves. Uh, they're really warm. Keep your neck fantastic. And even though this is a recessionary time and we've got to tighten our belts, there are two things a man should not skimp on. His alcohol and his scarves. Um, and Savile Rogue scarves make the best scarves there possibly are. So all you have to do is answer the following question, this uh, Spurs, North London Derby-related question. Right, here it is. Okay. Robbie Keane is A, a fantastic player who is much undervalued and overabused. B, a player who doesn't get the credit he deserves for his majestic performances in the Premier League. Or C, a big, desperate, Dan-headed cunt of the highest order. So all you have to do is pick the right answer, A, B, or C, and send it to 
competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com. And the random number generator will do its thing next week and uh, pick out one winner of a Savile Rogue scarf. But not to worry, we've got scarves to give away in the weeks ahead. And savile-rogue.com is where you'll find Savile Rogue scarves if you want to have a look at what you might win. Now, uh, the North London Derby this weekend, uh, the team news as follows. Jack Wilshire is having a fitness test, but he said on his Twitter account that he's feeling okay and he's confident that he's going to be ready for the weekend. Uh, the manager is still waiting for some of the players to come back, Andrei Arshav and Thomas Rosicki. But as far as we can tell... He's got pretty much a full squad to choose from. We don't know about Nicholas Benton or whether the injury he had that kept him out of the Everton game is going to keep him out of this one. Uh, Manuel Almuni is still out. Thomas Vermaelen still out. And Abu Diaby uh, still out. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier about Chelsea and Chelsea fans booing the team off at halftime when they conceded a goal at home for uh, the first time this season. And it's all a bit... Uh, and, you know, it's a cliche to say the crowd is a 12th man, but there's a there's an element of truth to it too. And going into a game like this, I think we need to remember just what's what. You know, we all have expectations of the team and when they don't play well, it's frustrating and everyone knows that. But we should think about it like this, right? Going into this game tomorrow, that Arsenal are your dad, right? And Spurs are John Terry. So Arsenal, the good guys... Spurs, the horrendous, despicable cunts. And for whatever reason, your dad has got to fight John Terry in an arena, like a coliseum. And the only thing you can do is be up in the the stand or, do you have stands or terraces? Probably had terraces in the coliseums until a load of uh, Scouse Romans came along and spoiled it for everyone. That's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is this. That if your dad was fighting John Terry in the Coliseum, you would be right behind him all the way, right? Even if he didn't fight particularly well, you'd be there giving him encouragement, going, come on, dad, kick him in the bollocks. Point over that way and say, look, John Terry, there's Wayne Bridges' misses. And then when he's turned around, you know, kick him in the balls or poke his eyes out or something. You'd be encouraging and helping him as much as you possibly could. If he didn't fight particularly well, given that there's probably an age difference, right, between your dad and John Terry, certainly between my dad and John Terry, there's a big, big age difference. My dad is in his 70s and John Terry's 3rd or 28 or something like that. So if he didn't fight particularly well, you wouldn't go, oh, dad, you fucking cunt, fuck off, dad. You wouldn't. Because by saying fuck off, dad, you're on the side kind of of John Terry, if you see what I'm saying. So remember that if things aren't going our way at halftime or things aren't going our way, that you've got to encourage your dad. And if you encourage your dad, it might be one of those things that happens in a movie. You know, when he gets the punch up and he's in bits, it's a sort of Rocky-like thing, and he's getting battered to shit, and then you're going, come on, dad, you can do it, I know you can do it. And then there'll be the slow motion bit, and he go... <laughs> And he'd land a punch on John Terry's face and John Terry would fall over and then he'd stomp John Terry's face into the ground and, go, and, and then all you're left with is this bloody mess that was John Terry and your dad is victorious. And that's what we need tomorrow. We need the crowd to remember that Arsenal are their dad and Spurs are John Terry. <clears throat> if you get what I'm saying. Which I think you probably do. So at this point, uh, I'm going to leave it there. Because I've said more than enough, I think. 
Here's to a good performance tomorrow. I'll see some of you for a beer before and after the game. Uh, Let's hope that all our dads beat up all those John Terrys and leave him in a crumpled, dismayed mess, a weeping shell of a man at the end of 90 minutes. I think that's something we can all look forward to. So until next week's Arscast, talk to you all week on the blog. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Today we discuss one of the greatest pieces of film ever created. Bernardo Bertolucci himself called it more magnificent than Elizabeth Taylor's Labia. Before long it came to be regarded as one of the finest works of its generation. A masterpiece of the audiovisual world encapsulating everything about the subject matter in a way not seen since Haskell Wexler's Oscar-winning masterpiece, Bound for Glory. The rawness of the footage combined with the riveting performances, particularly that of the young protagonist, make a sumptuous feast for the eyes and a warm, cleansing bath for the ears. It is rumored the director shot the footage with the subjects unaware, Thinking they were merely enjoying a moment, he caught a spontaneity and vivaciousness that no amount of rehearsal could ever produce. From such things epics are forged, a coming together of time and place and matter, of man and camera, of verse and performance. So rarely do they reach the level of sublime that when they do we must lord all involved and take some measure of joy ourselves that our merely witnessing it makes it all the more alive. In a recent interview conducted in the lowly surroundings of a North London pub, those involved in the creation of this piece de resistance were asked if it were mere good fortune that the man whose life they had captured were afflicted in such a way. Modest to the last, They revealed it was just fate, the aligning of the stars, the mystery of the universe, that they had not the first clue how he got it. Nor did the lack of this information trouble them in any way. They were simply cognizant of the fact that he had got a twitch. That was the Earth Black Culture Corner. Come back for more next week, you muppet. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.